text for our sermon this morning is Luke 2, the verses 36 to 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever had to wait for something? To wait what seemed like a really long time? As kids, we can find it hard to wait for our birthday to finally arrive. We're eagerly expecting to receive presents and have a party. But time goes so slow seems to take forever for our birthday to arrive. We can experience this in other areas of life as well. Waiting to turn 16 so we can get our license. Waiting for the right guy or girl to come along for us to go out with. Waiting for our wedding day or to have a baby or to buy a house. Waiting can be hard. So it was in the days before the Lord Jesus was born. God had promised his people that the Messiah would come. He had promised them that a child would be born and a son given to sit on David's throne. And that of the increase of his government and of peace, there would be no end. Yet God's people had to wait for that promise to come true. They waited not just for years or even decades, but for centuries. God's promises were passed on from one generation to the next. Yet for a long time, they were not fulfilled. In the time before Jesus' birth, there was an increased expectation that the Messiah would soon come. There were people who were waiting for his birth. We read about Simeon, who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It had been revealed to him he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. There was also Anna, who, uh, who for many years never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. They and others in Israel were filled with hope and expectation. They longed for the coming Messiah. Yeah, they too had to wait a long time. Waiting is hard. It can seem like a waste of time. We can easily get frustrated or discouraged when we have to wait for something that we earnestly desire. And yet at the same time, waiting can be good for us. When we have to wait for something, we appreciate it all the more when we finally receive it. 
We treasure something we've waited for a whole lot more than something that came to us easily. We're so much more excited, so much more thankful. Our text this morning tells us about how Anna responded to the birth of the Messiah after waiting so many years for his coming. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. The prophetess Anna responds joyfully to the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll consider Anna's life, Anna's joy, and Anna's witness. While our text is relatively short, it does tell us quite a bit about Anna. She was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. This tells us she was an Israelite, part of the covenant community. She was numbered among the people of God. As such, she had a special place. In the days when the Lord Jesus was born, there were two kinds of people. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. It was to Abraham's descendants that the Lord had made great promises. Aside from the odd convert to Judaism, the Gentiles were outcasts. They lived in darkness. They did not share in the Lord's blessings. But Anna did. Although Anna belonged to the people of God, her life circumstances were not easy. Our text notes she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Just imagine, beloved, being married and losing your husband after seven years and then living decade after decade on your own. Our text conveys a picture of a life filled with struggles of dashed hopes and dreams. Widowhood in Israel was not the same as widowhood is today. Normally, if a man died, it was a task of the kinsman redeemer to raise up children for his brother or for the close relative who had died. Think about how Boaz served as kinsman redeemer in the life of Naomi and Ruth, and how through him the line of Elimelech continued. Yet Anna did not have anyone who served as her kinsman redeemer. The result was that she had to go forward in life as a barren widow with no one to carry on the family name of her dead husband. There was a real stigma attached to barrenness in the Old Covenant. Many would have considered Anna's life a failure. Anna also faced further problems from being a widow. Normally a widowed woman would return to live in her father's house. Yet if Anna did that, it was not for long. Our text speaks about her residing at the temple. In those days, being a widow meant you had no one to provide for your daily needs. From an economic perspective, widows had to scrounge to make ends meet. People often took advantage of them. They didn't have anyone to stand up for them. Many of the prophets spoke against God's people because of the manner in which they oppressed widows. Isaiah writes, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. 
Jeremiah calls for God's people to do what is just and right. He writes, do no wrong or violence to the alien, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Despite the exile, God's people still had not learned to look after the widows in Jesus' day. In Mark 12, Jesus warned the crowds to watch out for the teachers of the law. For despite their outward religiosity, they devoured widows' houses. Jesus also spoke about the poor widow who put everything she had into the temple treasury. The net sum of her money was two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Not only was Anna alone, if she was anything like most widows in her time, it's likely that she was destitute. Anna was of the tribe of Asher. Asher was not one of the prominent tribes in Israel. Asher was part of the northern kingdom, which went into Assyrian exile and never returned. Perhaps Anna's family had escaped the exile. Yet the mention of Asher reminds you of Israel's sad circumstances. Israel was like a widow. In the past, Israel had experienced some good times, especially under David and Solomon. But later, Israel went through decline. Due to the people's unfaithfulness, they went into exile. Jerusalem ended up like a widow, poor, vulnerable, in mourning. It's striking to see that Jerusalem is pictured this way in the prophets. In Lamentations 1, verse 1, the prophet Jeremiah compares Jerusalem to a widow in distress. He writes, How deserted lies the city, one so full of people. How like a widow is she, who was once great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. The same image is presented to us in our reading from Isaiah 52. Jerusalem is referred to as the captive daughter of Zion, exiled and enslaved. And thus, beyond Luke's description of Anna, we see Israel pictured. Like Anna, Israel's good times were in the past. Her golden age was no more. Israel's like a widow in mourning. What makes this especially sad is the reason why Israel was in this state. It was because of the people's sins that the Lord brought calamity upon them. It was because time and again they rebelled against the covenant. It was because they were unable to serve him according to his word. By the time when the Lord Jesus was born, things had stabilized in Israel. The Lord had allowed his people to return from exile. The temple had been rebuilt. But Israel's glory days never came back. Israel remained under the dominion of the Romans. Her prophets had been silent for more than 400 years. In many ways, the priesthood was corrupt. God's people were like a grieving widow. The Lord had made these wonderful promises to them. Yet real deliverance seemed further away than ever. What do you do when life circumstances are like that? When you suffer loss from which you never really recover? 
How do you cope with life when it's dark and depressing? When it seems like nothing will ever get better? What do you do with all the wonderful promises that the Lord has made about redeeming his people, about caring for us? Well, you don't see any of that being fulfilled in your life. How do you keep waiting month after month, year after year, when nothing ever seems to change? Perhaps you can relate, beloved. Like Anna and like Israel, we live in a sin-stained world. We too experience much of the brokenness of life struggling with illness that goes on and on, having to deal with brokenness in family relationships, experiencing trauma and the brokenness that comes with it, not knowing how to cope with life, losing a loved one to death, trying to survive the empty place he or she leaves behind, being confronted with loved ones who do not love the Lord, Because of sin and all its consequences, we're faced with much sadness in this life. So how do you cope with that? Well, Anna dealt with her widowhood in a very specific way. She devoted herself to the Lord and to his service. Our text says she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. What a remarkable testament to this old lady, to our sister in the faith. She suffered through all the hard knocks of life. As all those many years went by, her circumstances did not improve. But she didn't wallow in her misery. She turned the focus away from herself. And she put it on God. Night and day. She worshipped in the temple. Anna engaged the Lord by fasting and prayer. Fasting is a symbol of mourning. You fast by denying yourself food for certain days each week or month. The Israelites fasted to show their grief and sorrow before the Lord. Fasting shows forth your need your need for forgiveness, your need for redemption, your need for comfort and hope. Anna fasted and prayed in the temple week after week, month after month, year after year, perhaps some 50 or 60 years, maybe even longer than that. Why did Anna choose to live her life that way? Why did she devote herself to worshiping God in the temple, to fasting and prayer? Well, part of it had to do with her own personal circumstances, losing her husband at a young age, struggling to cope with her difficult lot in life. Anna fasted and prayed for much more than just herself. Like Simeon, she was waiting for the consolation of Israel, She knew of the Lord's promises of redemption. She was asking him to redeem his people. In our text, we see that the Lord heard, that he answered her prayers. 
he rewarded her diligent service by sending his son into the world. Anna was allowed to see him when his parents presented him to the Lord. We deal with this in our second point, Anna's joy. Our text summarizes Anna's response to the birth of the baby Jesus in just a few words. She gave thanks to God. And yet those words are so expressive. When do you give thanks to God? When he blesses you. When he provides you with what you need. When he answers your prayers. God did that by sending his son into the world. As a result, Anna's heart is filled with joy. For she recognizes that the Lord had fulfilled his promises made to his people throughout the ages. That the promised Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel, had come. So her heart sings and her mouth rejoices. She gives thanks to God. How did Anna know that this child brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph and then taken into the arms of Simeon was the promised Savior? Our text notes that Anna was a prophetess. So it's possible that the Lord made this known to her by special revelation. Yet this is by no means certain. When we think of the task of a prophet, we tend to think of other tasks of foretelling the future. Yet that's not always part of a prophet or prophetess's task. The basic task of a prophet is to recount the mighty deeds of God, to make known his word to his people. Consider Miriam, the sister of Moses. After the Lord delivered Israel through the midst of the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh and his armies in it, she led the women of Israel in music and song. In Exodus 15, verse 20, Miriam is called a prophetess. Yet she does not reveal anything new to God's people. She just leads them in praising God. It's most likely that Anna learned of who Jesus was from Simeon. Simeon knew that he would not die before seeing the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. He was there when Joseph and Mary came to the temple to present their firstborn to the Lord. Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms. He spoke wonderful words about him. He said, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He calls Jesus a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Our text makes it clear that it was at that very moment when Simeon was blessing Jesus that Anna came up to them. And thus it's most likely that she learned of Jesus being the promised Messiah from Simeon. Anna's response is just like that of Miriam's. She praises the Lord. She exalts his holy name. Like the saints of old, she gives thanks to God. So often in the Psalms we hear the refrain, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Well, that's what Anna was doing. I think it's hard for us to understand the fullness of Anna's joy. 
Remember the deep struggles she faced from being widowed so young. Consider the fact that she did not remarry, but instead devoted herself to worshiping God in the temple night and day. Think about the fact that year after year, she'd been praying for the redemption of Israel. Consider how long she had to wait for the Messiah to come. And suddenly there he was, in Simeon's arms, the Savior Jesus Christ who came to redeem God's people. Anna's joy was full. She gave thanks to God. Anna only knew a little of what Jesus had come to earth to do. She knew that he was the promised Messiah who had come to redeem Israel. But what that meant and how Jesus would accomplish that was not yet made clear. But we know, beloved, we know that Jesus came into this world as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. We know that he came as a suffering servant who would be called upon to offer his life as a ransom for our sins. We know of the deep shame and agony Jesus suffered while he hung on that cross, of how he took God's wrath against our sins upon himself, that he might fill us with his blessing. So what's your response to that, beloved? Is your heart filled with joy at the good news of the gospel? Do you look to the Savior Jesus Christ in the midst of all the struggles that you face in your life? Do you pray when beset with trouble? Do you persist in bringing your petitions before the throne of grace? Do you wait patiently for the Lord to fulfill his promises to you? Do you seek your comfort and your strength in Christ alone? On this Christmas day, let's take time to ponder on the Lord's mighty deeds of salvation. Let's consider the comfort, joy, peace, and hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And let us give thanks to God for his mercy and grace towards us. It brings us to our final point, Anna's witness. Our text not only speaks of how Anna gave thanks to God, it concludes by stating that she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Here we see Anna fulfilling her task as prophetess. In her joy at the coming of the Messiah, she spread the good news of his birth. Note that her focus is not on a cute baby born in Bethlehem, but rather on the role that Jesus would fulfill. Anna pointed out God's marvelous work of salvation, that he sent the Messiah for the redemption of his people. In Matthew 12, 34, the Lord Jesus made it clear that it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Anna's heart rejoiced. She could not help spreading the good news of the birth of Jesus. 
In this way, she fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 52. Isaiah begins this chapter with a call. Awake, awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, O Jerusalem, the holy city. It's true that God's people Israel had suffered deep shame and humiliation. They were sorely oppressed in Egypt and later by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. But now Israel's time of mourning has come to an end. Just as a widow would put on festive clothes if the Lord provided her with a husband again. So Israel is told to dress herself in garments of splendor. For the Lord was redeeming his people from exile and bringing about their salvation. In Isaiah 52, the prophet says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to God, Your God reigns. Isaiah speaks of how the Lord has comforted his people, how he has redeemed Jerusalem. He speaks about how the Lord's mighty deeds would be evident to the nations, how the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. As prophetess Anna serves as this type of witness, she recounts the mighty deeds of God. She points to the baby Jesus and makes it clear to those around her that this is the Messiah through whom the Lord would save his people. With joy and thankfulness in her heart, she cannot but speak of the hope that is in her. How is that with you, beloved? Is Christmas Day a joyful day for you? For some of us, the circumstances of our lives give sorrow rather than joy. But again, I ask, is today a joyful day for you? Is your heart glad at hearing the good tidings that a Savior was born to redeem us? Does your spirit rejoice in Christ, your Savior? Do you speak of your comfort and of your joy with others? Are you willing and active in your prophetic task of confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you witness to others of your hope in Jesus Christ and the marvelous deeds he has done for you? that they too may share in Christ's saving work. Christmas is a good reminder for us to share the good news of salvation with others. But another week or so, the holiday season will be over, and life will go on. We'll have to continue to deal with all the struggles and the sorrows that face us in this life. In some ways, our lives are just like the lives of Anna and of the people living in the time before Christ's birth. Like them, we too have to wait. We have to wait a long time for the Lord Jesus to come, for him to bring about the final salvation that he has promised for him to return on the clouds of heaven 
to take us into joy and glory forevermore. Waiting is hard. It can be frustrating, discouraging. To us, it seems like the Lord is taking such a long time. Yet waiting is also good for us. If you get something you want right away, you tend not to appreciate it. But if you long for something, if you set your heart on it, if you pray for it earnestly, you'll really appreciate it when you get it. One of the reasons for the struggles and sorrows we face in life is to help us eagerly await our Savior from heaven. Let us not give up hope. He is coming soon. That's what he promised. And when he comes, our joy will be made full. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing hymn 19.